0: From WCBU Peoria Public Radio, this is Out and About. I'm Jen Gordon with Arts Partners of Central Illinois, and today you're listening to a special extended edition of Out and About, focusing on the future of local theater in Greater Peoria. I'm joined today by Nikki Hatchkey from Peoria Players Theater, Chip Joyce from Cornstalk Theater, and Nona Buster from the Artistic Community Theater in Pekin. Chip, Nona, and Nikki, welcome to Out and About.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
0: for having us. So we're having this conversation today as part of a national conversation that's that's really happening about the future of local theater. We know the pandemic has taken a unique toll on all of us and that live local theater has ha- had a special history here in Greater Peoria. So here and out and about, we wanted to create a special space where the community could hear directly from you about where things stand in your unique organizations. Um, so to kind of get the conversation started, today, I want to just kind of start by talking about um, some of the biggest challenges that your respective organizations faced after COVID, you know, um, in the midst of that shutdown and kind of navigating through those. Um, Nikki, do you want to kind of start? Sure. Um, Of course, when the
2: pandemic hit, Uh, we were about three months away from closing our fiscal year. (sighs) So we had to rework a lot. We had to cancel a lot and just put a patron donation campaign into effect. And, of course, they um, made a lot of grant opportunities available through the CARES Act, the, um, of course, the Paycheck Protection Program. So that really helped us through, and uh, we stood to lose the $50,000 profit when all was said and done. And thankfully, uh, our patrons, the grants and everything truly kept us alive, so we're very grateful.
0: And it was really unique timing for Peoria Players Theater. You had just kind of finished yes. your
2: 100th <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> In fact, we all said, oh my gosh, what if this were a year ago? Yeah. Because we would have been planning our big grand finale course line directed by Chip over here, um, our gala event. So we just thought, oh my gosh, thank God this isn't a year
0: ago. (laughs) And and for your audiences, I know that you were able to do a lot of um, special fundraising just with supporters of the theater to get through that time. We did.
2: Not only did we do our patron donation campaign, it was called Save Peoria Players. Um, We also did a lot of online streaming. And uh, in the spring of 2021, we were able to do uh, an intimate production at the Broadway Lounge when we kind of had a soft opening. Um, in April of 21. So that all of that, you know, we really had to get creative. We did some, you know, online trivia nights, online bingo, that type of thing. And um, that's, you know, what we do. We had to get creative live theater. You know, there's no way around that pandemic. So. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So so Chip, tell me a little bit about Cornstalk's challenges and how you guys made it through.
3: Um, Cornstock uh, again, you know, had to, in, in March of 2020, make the difficult decision to cancel their summer season that year um, and then would have to do the same thing the following year. <laughs> but in the meantime, um, they assembled a sort of digital task force, they were called. Since everyone was at home, um, You know, they were thinking, what could we stream to people? Um, and they came up with all kinds of options, mainly just to stay sort of in front of everybody and just keeping CornStock top of mind while we were all sitting at home wondering when can we go out again they put together two seasons of Cornstock unmasked, which was a virtual sort of their own version of the masked singer TV show. And um, that engaged audiences and and raised a little bit of money. They did a uh, a digital play series um, with all kinds of different offerings. Um, There was one play where every performer was like located in a different state Hmm. um, doing it over zoom. There were smaller things that, you know, maybe only had two or three cast members that they could get together and, mm-hmm. and perform, you know, um, adhering to regulations and all of that, all sorts of different offerings. They offered um, story time for families with young children, all sorts of different things for about a year or so. And then when 2021 rolled around and it was the spring, and that's the thing people, I think, don't realize when it comes to theater. You have to look... You know, forecast two, three, four, six months ahead right. when you're planning a show. So to be able to forecast, well, are we going to be able to do this show? You know, sometimes it was you either hesitated and and said no, we're not going to, things aren't going to be ready in time, or you took the leap of faith and just hoped it was okay by then. Um, you know that that approach, you know, I think was met with mixed results. But, um, yeah. but yeah, that would that was that that's that's the important thing to think about. I think for non-theater people is the amount of planning pre-planning ahead of time that goes, that goes into it all.
0: What I think is really uh, unique, and I hope audiences grasp from this conversation is the amount of just engagement work that you all did during the shutdown. So I know there, there are a lot of, um, Fundraising efforts, but then there, were, there was programming efforts like you're talking about, Chip. These, this was not driven to keep funding sustaining the theater. This was just to keep audiences engaged with what the theater is right. and what you're doing.
3: Yeah, kind of a don't forget about us. Right. We're going to be back. Eventually. And, and when we do, we, you know, we hope you will be too.
0: <laughs> right, which is, that's a hard decision for organizations. I mean, there's a lot of hustle that goes into doing productions that don't have a lot of revenue attached to it.
3: Right, right. And and they were done smartly, you know, very low budget, very lot, lots of uh, generosity. I mean, all of us had all the time in the world at that point. So I think people were (laughs) very eager to just do something creative. um, But people were also generous, you know, with with their time and money as well.
0: Now, Nona, transitioning over here to Artistic Community Theater in Pekin, you've had kind of a, a different story and maybe a different opportunity that presented itself in the midst of the pandemic.
1: Definitely, we have been limping along for a long time—20 years—without a, a theater building. And so, for a long time, we just been going around to different venues and performing when wherever, wherever anyone would take us. And um, so, when everything shut down, that pretty much nixed what we were doing. And um, we were able to do a couple things outside during that time for the children, like at the library and those places. But we we had already lost a lot of members through the years because of not having our Mm -hmm. own place. And so we came to the decision that if we didn't do something, we would either die or thrive in in another direction. And so we acquired a benefactor who bought us a building Mm. and (laughs) has been renovating it into a beautiful theater. It's small and intimate but um, it's going to be cabaret style so we can accommodate uh, several smaller groups or larger groups as we can um, if there's no illness going around (laughs) so um, so we've been working towards that all year and getting new members and being very excited about opening and having our own building in pekin downtown it's going to be wonderful so we've taken the opportunity to do that and been great. So there's been really some momentum
0: that the space of the pandemic provided for the organization.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think everyone, when we got to the place where we weren't doing anything and everyone said, oh gosh, I just can't, we can't let this happen. So we got a lot of people on board. And now that they're seeing what we're doing with the building and everything, it's, we're bringing in more people, getting new members and People that didn't even know we've had a community theater in Pekin for a long time. <laughs> so it's it's been good. It's not been great to have the pandemic, but um, it forced us to decide that we wanted to stay alive. Absolutely. Nikki and Chip, were there any other
0: um, kind of unexpected wins? I mean, we, we heard from Nona that there were some wins that came out of the pandemic for, for Pekin's Artistic Community Theater. For your organizations, any, any wins that came out of um, the shutdown?
3: Um, I don't know all, all the details, but I know that um, available grants and things, you know, recovery grants sure. were, were a, a godsend, I think, for the organization, for, for many organizations. I'm, I'm sure there are some that wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for that opportunity. But also just, you know, again, discovering that if, if we have to resort to digital experiences, that we know how to do that now.
0: Absolutely.
2: I think we learned, too, that, you know, if we can't all get together for a meeting, there's always Zoom. (laughs) But yeah, like Chip said, um, yeah, we do have that digital opportunity to do online streaming. If we want to add to something where we don't have, maybe don't have the space that we're, you know, we're using our theater for something else. Hey, we can throw something else in there and, you know, stream it online or do something like that.
0: So now that audiences have come back, and I I like the timing of our talk today because we have had several months now where we've seen audiences back in the hall. What do you think has changed for them since the pandemic? And I guess what has the bounce back been like for the organization in terms of audiences coming back? Have they returned full force or are they kind of coming back piecemeal? Where's it like for your organizations? I have found it... it As it always has been, it depends on the shows we do. Mm. Um, I know last year we
2: reopened last September after 18 months of being closed for the pandemic. Um, and people were a little gun shy about coming back, which we understood. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, um, I believe the CDC was still requiring masks and that type of thing. Um, they've gotten a little bit um, more relaxed about that now. And you know, over the course of last season, um, through last this past spring, we did grow our audiences back, and we did SpongeBob that sold really well. Of course, Mama Mia sold out at you know added a holdover. It was like old times. Mm-hmm. It just was very mm-hmm. heartwarming to yes. have that again. I know Chip had the same success with Mary Poppins over at Cornstalk too. So I just I really think it's the shows that you do. And I think people are wanting to get back out there. Mm. Chip?
3: Yeah, I, I think it, it was sort of a rev up. Um, and the audiences are, are very similar. You know, the big musicals sell well. Um, some of the smaller niche plays might, um, you know, have smaller audiences, but, but obviously very faithful ones. You know, there's an audience for, for that as well one thing i i have noticed even before the pandemic is just i think the march of time um i feel like some years audiences will will lose more patrons than than gain in Hmm. certain cases i know like the the season ticket model is Mm -hmm. not as popular as it once was and theaters really Mm. sort of count on that built-in revenue um I would encourage anyone listening to definitely consider season tickets. They're, they're flex season tickets. You know, you don't have to commit to the same night of every run, every seat. You can, you know, it, a flex ticket is, um, I vow I'm going to go see all of these shows. And yeah. then you figure out what night works for you as it gets closer.
0: And that's truly a way that the community can show their support for your institutions. Definitely. Yes, Absolutely
1: well we we definitely are building our audiences back yes. again uh, with our shows this season we have our season all set up and running and we've had a lot of of interest from the people of pekin and and other areas and it seems to us that what they are looking for from us at this time are, comedies they want people want to laugh Mm -hmm. again they want to have fun and um, so that's kind of what we're striving for this first season especially um, just to get them in there and having a nice fun time with their friends and family so that's where we're headed this year if you're just joining
0: us you're listening to a special extended edition of out and about on wcbu and wcbu.org I'm Jen Gordon with Arts Partners, and today I'm talking with Nikki Hatchkey from Peoria Players, Chip Joyce from Cornstock, and Nona Buster from Artistic Community Theater in Pekin about the future of local theater in greater Peoria. Um, I'm going to direct this question towards you, Chip, uh, putting on your director hat. Okay. Um, and you did just wrap Mary Poppins not too long ago at the tent. Um, what has where are actors at you know community theater relies on volunteer actors coming out and doing the shows and having the talent to come out and um, and where are they at in terms of uh, how they see the value of, of being able to participate in community theater showing up for it and and really diving in
3: from based on my experience from what I can tell um, they're rare and to go we had um... Mary Poppins had a cast of 60 people, and that was after whittling it down from about 100 that auditioned. And one thing I have started doing since the pandemic is um, in order, because you never know what to expect with, with auditions. You know, you could end up with a large crowd at times if you're lucky. And um, I instituted an online sign-up, basically kind of like a reservation system mm-hmm. for your auditions. I've done that now for th- uh, three shows now. And my next one, Gypsy at Puria Players. There's almost 80 people signed up to audition for this show. Um, I I knew it was a, a well-known classic, um, but I certainly wasn't anticipating that. Mm. So between that and um, Mary Poppins, I mean, I've I'll have had the two probably best turnouts I've ever had for an audition.
0: So there is a there is a need amongst local actors to have this opportunity. I think so. Yeah, clearly. Nona, I want to talk with you a little bit now. Um, now that you have this space uh, that that kind of people can rally around. Are you seeing again more actors and more people sign up again to be members of ACT? What's the momentum like from the actor's perspective?
1: We're growing, It's it's been slow to start, but I think as soon as we get a couple shows up and running and people come in and see it is it is a, a, a real theater mm-hmm. with a, <laughs> a stage and lights <laughs> and um, that they will, more and more people will come and we are, letting people know that it's not just actors we need. You can come and be a part of the theater. You don't have to want to stand on the stage. We're going to need people in all walks of theater life. And um, we also are kind of a teaching theater. We want you to come out, of even if you've never done it before and and learn the ropes, it's gonna be exciting. So this brings up another good
0: point. All non-for-profits kind of across the board are struggling with volunteer engagement. Have you noticed with your with your theaters? Um, clearly, it doesn't sound like from the actor participation that this is an issue. But in other um, facets of your operational um, structure, where you need more volunteers to show up and help with different other aspects of of the theater, Nikki?
2: Definitely, yeah. I mean, we, you know, if we have work days at the theater or um, anything, you know, selling raffle tickets, things like that, we've, we've brought up our raffles again. Um, we can always use volunteers. And there's a place on our website to sign up for that. We actually do get a lot of people to sign up. And um, so that's definitely a need that we have every year, <laughs> whether or not the pandemic has come or not. But yeah.
3: I often preach to my companies of shows that I direct things like that, like work days and we need people to sell raffle tickets and all these little odd jobs. Um, I said, you know, when you're not in a show, it's important that you show up and do those things because no, there is no owner, there is no proprietor. You're not a guest of anybody at this place. You know, when you become a member, you it's up to you to kind of keep it running. And so those little things, um, you got to show up and do those and you got to show up and, and support the shows that you're not in or not working on as well that could always be a little bit better. I think, you know, the actors that aren't in shows need to buy the tickets for the shows they're not in as well. That would also help with our attendance.
0: Absolutely. And for for people who are not, would not consider themselves stage ready or thespians, you can still be a member of these organizations and volunteer. Yes? absolutely, oh, yeah. yes.
1: Yes. yes. We Lo- encourage that.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Lots of parents who are builders and electricians and engineers get roped into building and lighting. And there's honestly a, a job for anyone, you know, based on their skill set. And then
2: we keep them for a long time to come.
3: Right, <laughs> hopefully. Yes. Don't let
0: them go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, as we look at like the overall financial recovery of your organizations, clearly you've all made it through. Congratulations, yes. no one shut their doors. No one is closed down. The 501c3s still exist, bravo. But But where are you at in your overall financial recovery for your institution? Is it still going to be a hustle for the next three to five years? Nikki?
2: Oh, for sure. Um, We actually did very well um, at the end of the pandemic season, as we call it. And uh, we had a nice profit, thanks to our patrons, as usual. And we really had to cut costs. Our budgets uh, were cut. We didn't have the big production costs, of course, because we didn't have the the stage shows. Mm -hmm. So that helped. I mean, on both sides of our budget, our income and our expenses. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's something we're going to have to really, you know, self-sustain for a while yet. And um, we just try to pick the shows that people want to see that will sell tickets. Um, But but we'll also offer our actors and technicians um, a good opportunity and challenges.
0: Absolutely. And I I think audiences should also note that, as you had uh, referenced earlier in the conversation, Nikki, those grant opportunities are gone now that originally kind of got organizations through the first year and a half, 18 months of the shutdown, all of those relief grant opportunities. Um, So really, to me, it feels like this is the first season where organizations are truly on their own. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, um, I don't think any not for profit in the history of the universe has ever said, "Ah, oh, you know what? we got enough money. we could <laughs> right <laughs> um so i stock is in a great place, um especially the the tenth season is really the big money maker um you know, the biggest audiences, the biggest shows, all of that. But Cornstock runs year-round um, with their lab shows, and they have uh, several children children's shows that put, are put on in the winter months in their indoor space, which I'm still surprised people don't seem to know about. It's just up the road in Bradley Park from where the tent is. There is an indoor theater where <laughs> they actually spend more time in the year performing than actually in the tent.
1: Yeah. Nona, anything else you'd like to add to that? Well, we are just really kind of starting out – Uh, building from the bottom again and so we're going we're looking at this as a an opportunity for our business to grow and if we get three to five years to get it up there (laughs) wonderful (laughs) every show we do will give us more to to work with so wonderful
0: before we go today i want us to go around the table and take a few moments to just update our audiences first on uh, the number one thing you need from the community to keep going and the upcoming productions you've got on deck
2: just please attend the shows. Um, we've got some great shows coming up. Holiday Inn is up next, opening November 11th. Then we've got Holiday Special, our our collaboration with Papa's. Um, Gypsy, as Chip noted, in February, In the Heights in March, and we close the season with The Wedding Singer next
0: May. Fantastic.
1: Nona? Oh, well, we definitely need people to come and see our shows and buy tickets. Um, we are doing an outdoor downtown Pekin ghost walk the end of October, um, highlighting ghosts of historic events that happened in Pekin through the years. Um, In December, we're doing It's a Wonderful Life, live radio show on our stage, the first indoor production on our stage. In early March, we're having a murder mystery, a gangster murder mystery. And in May, we're doing a comedy, A Bad Year for Tomatoes. And then in June, our children's theater will be up and running. We'll do uh, a learning camp with uh, production at the end of that.
3: Um, two things I would encourage people to consider is continue attending the shows that you would, but also buy tickets for a show that maybe you wouldn't have gone to see before the pandemic. If you think, oh, I don't like musicals, buy a ticket for a musical. Or, oh, I just I don't want to go to a drama. Buy a ticket for a drama. You might be pleasantly surprised by what you see. And I think if a lot of people started doing that, um, it would help greatly. I would also remind... Um, parents, that tickets to the theater are generally cheaper than babysitters. Mm. And um, my parents knew that as a kid. And I got to go and experience a lot of theater. And I that's that's how we sustain things is, is bringing up like another generation. <laughs> so rather than leave your kids at home to attend theater, maybe take them with you to see. Again, it doesn't have to be a, a, a Disney... You know, cartoon. It it can be some of these these classic musicals, or even some of these newer shows that are are being produced as well. Cornstock has coming up. Their their winter lab season opens this weekend with Death of a Salesman, like the greatest American play of all time, <laughs> and uh, four other shows will follow throughout the year. And then there will be a children's show in the spring, and then of course Cornstock's summer season next year. Five shows under the tent again. They'll they'll be back.
0: That was Chip Joyce from Cornstock Theater, Nikki Hashkey from Peoria Players Theater, and Nona Buster from Artistic Community Theater in Pekin talking about the future of local theater in greater Peoria. Nikki, Chip, and Nona, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this Saturday evening, while you are out and about, you can enjoy the Heartland Festival Orchestra's presentation of Invitation to the Dance, which showcases dancers from the Samoan Ballet Company in San Francisco performing to original music composed by House of Cards composer Jeff Beal. For information on this and all upcoming arts events, you can visit artspartners.net. Support for arts and culture programming on WCDU comes from PNC Financial Services. We're focusing on giving back as part of an ongoing commitment to the community PNC serves.